there are many things going on, and uh, all of these things are really shocking when you take a look at them. Uh, what I'd like to talk about tonight, something which is very unusual that's happening in Israel, and that is that there's an individual called Naftali Bennett who has joined with the left, you know, what really the left parties, they're not even center, but the left parties, we're looking here at uh, Lapid, uh, his, uh, you know, Yeshatid. We're looking here at Meretz. We're looking at Labor. We're looking at uh, Lieberman, you know, of course, and Gantz and so on. And these people have been joined by Naftali Bennett, uh, who is part of Yamina. And they are a tremendously left party. But not only are they left, they're also anti-Haredi. They're anti-Torah. And they obviously all seek in many ways to destroy Judaism. Not Jews, but Judaism. You know, and, uh, and so on. And uh, if they get in power, which it looks like they will, I don't think the government at this point has voted them in, but if the Knesset votes them in, <clears throat> then they probably will try to seek to destroy a great deal of what the Haredim, the religious, have striven years to provide. Uh, we're talking here about <clears throat> uh, conversions, right? Uh, uh, halachic conversions. We're talking about marriage and divorce. We're talking about Chil Shabbos, desecration of the Shabbos. Uh, we're talking about Kashrus, right? Koshemit and so on. We're talking about what happens at the Kaisal, the wall. We're talking also about uh, the education department, you see. We're talking really about the draft uh, with an education. We're talking about a lot of things uh, that the religious Haredim and the, uh, and the uh, modern Orthodox have striven to provide for years. Uh, now, that provides a very difficult problem. And the problem is always, can we understand what is happening? That's the problem. We, and, and the only way to do that, at least from our perspective, now ultimately speaking, we don't know why God does anything. He has a view, of course, of the world that goes out, or I should say, goes on for 6,000, almost 6,000 years. So when he acts, it obviously takes into account all 6,000 years of history, the entire human span of history. But it's still, for the sake of emun and bitochen, it is very, uh, it's very beneficial for us to try to understand what is going on. And that's what I've tried. And I have arrived at certain understandings and conclusions, which I'd like to share with you. Now, the way you do it, at least initially, is you have to see what's going on. Many people don't see. They look at an event, and then they have what's called a surface understanding but they fail to take into account the reality of what is happening, the event itself. 
then of course you have to begin to apply it to what's called the divine plan of creation. Especially today when we are in the end, the messianic era approaches rapidly, you see. So you have to take into account that and then take a look at the entire uh, scope of everything happening and try to see and realize what seems to be happening. And that's what I'd like to talk about. <clears throat> so, we see certain things. <clears throat> First thing we notice is that Netanyahu, Bibi, as they call him, seems to be going on the way out. And we realize that this is miraculous. Why? Because Bibi is the longest serving prime minister and he's really very popular. Yet, for four times in a row, over two and a half years, almost two and a half years, he has failed to put it together a coalition. Now that's miraculous. That's probably never happened in the history of Israel. Not, not four times. So that's the first ness. Is that even though he's so popular, he cannot put together a coalition to form a government. And we know you need a coalition because this is the parliamentary form of government. So you need at least 61 seats, which is the majority of 121 seats in the, 120 seats in the Knesset. And he fails. The secondness is that when he fails, you know, he can put a coalition together, at least try, but he's always short, only a couple of seats. This time he's short two seats, because he's able to put 59 seats together, <clears throat> which means that all he is missing is two seats or two different people to put together a coalition. He can't do it. So that's the second incredible thing. But the third incredible thing is that he cannot even bribe two people from other parties to come over to his side. Now he's got a lot to bribe with. He's got 26, I think it's 26, ministries and he can easily say to two people in the other parties, please come over to my party, Likud, and I will give you a ministry, two ministries, whatever. And that would form a government. But he can't. That's a ness. That you can't bribe anybody to come over, even if you offer them ministries. And everybody wants a ministry, because that's really where the, where the power is. You see. Can't do it. You see. So these are miracles which we see that he cannot overcome. This is the power in the hand of God. The Rabbani Shalom clearly does not want him or that he could in power. That's what we see. Now, the second thing we see, again, we are observers, is that if he fails, which he is failing, obviously, to put together a government, then it is not only he that will not sit in the government, they will be in the opposition, which is basically a graveyard. You can't do anything. You have no power. You have nothing. You're just able to warm a seat. The ones who also will suffer greatly are the Haredim, are the religious parties, you see. <clears throat> because the other side of the coin is the left. They're not even center. The left, like I said. And if they form a coalition then they will be at war with Judaism and God. That's what will happen. 
So the Haredim will be sitting in the opposition, plus the Likud, and they cannot even put a, a government together, but they will be suffered terribly, and that's exactly what seems to be happening. Now what has also happened is that, and the question of course we have to ask is, why? First, what is the meaning that the Rebbeinu does not want Netanyahu, obviously, and the second thing is he's evicting the Haredim, the religious right from the government itself. And the third idea is not only is he evicting the Haredim, he's allowing the victory for the left. And basically, so far, it hinges on basically one person, Naftali Bennett. Now, we will take a look at that because clearly the Rosham is providing miracles for Naftali Bennett. We have to understand what in the world is going on. Now, why, what we see now, and like I'm trying to answer the question, why does the Rebbeinu seem to want to evict the Haredim and allow the left to come in? Because he ultimately is the one that calls the shots. The truth is, again, you have to observe at a much deeper level what's happening there apparently is a tremendous kitrug prosecution by the Sultan against the Haredim. We see this. We see this with the incident, the event of Meron, the tremendous tragedy where 45 people was, were asphyxiated and crushed to death by Haredim. Now that's incredible, you see. And I gave a whole Shia called the Meron tragedy. You know, anybody who wants to understand that should look that up. So that's one Kitruk prosecution against the Haredim. The second is another event which happened where Colleen Stolen, same thing. They came to celebrate, you know, in a, in a huge base medrash, and all of a sudden the bleachers collapsed, and two people died, but over 160 of them were injured, some of them critically. And that happened like only a week or whatever after the Maroon tragedy. So that's another devastation to the Haredim. Then what happens after that is a war against Israel by Hamas. And for the first time, Hamas is actually lobbing rockets into the major cities of Israel. Now, it's true that it was directed against Israel, but that, again, is a, is a tremendous kitrug, you see. So the question is, why would the Barsham do this? Especially we see the focus is on the Haredim. And now we see that if the left with Bennett get in, they will be evicted from the government and they will sit in the opposition, which is basically, as I said, a graveyard. Why is that? And I will tell you what I think. You know, again, it's my speculation, but I'm very convinced that this is really why. Okay. And that is this. I don't know if people realize that, <clears throat> but there are two systems of education in Israel. One is, the, of course, the Haredim and the right, which means the religious. And the second system is the public schools, the secular public schools. Now, what we witness in the public schools is terrible. There's one and one-half million kids. It's a staggering amount of kids in the secular public schools. And there's almost no formal education in Judaism. Very little. 
And not only that, but the one who's in charge of giving the very little, uh, you know, a chinuch or ju- anything about Judaism to these kids, right, is the Reformed Movement. There's an institute called the Hartstein Institute, and they have been assigned to create the curriculum for one and a half million kids. Now, these are basically reformed. They are tremendously anti-terror. And they teach pluralism. Now, pluralism is where there are many streams of legitimate Judaism, reformed, conservative, you see. And they do not even allow orthodox teachers to join the public schools because they don't even want to know about Shabbos. They don't want to teach about Shabbos, about the Bible, about Torah, about the mitzvahs. Forget about it, you see, which is incredible. So the question is, what's going on here? How is it possible that one and a half million kids know hardly nothing about Judaism or anything? And not only that, what's worse is that they are taught that there are many legitimate streams of Judaism. Therefore, it's much more difficult to uproot that from somebody who thinks that Judaism has many legitimate you know, facets or streams than it is to teach Judaism to a kid that doesn't know anything. So the question is, what does it mean that this is happening? Now you have to remember, the youth are being destroyed. In fact, these youth are really the future of the Jewish people in Israel, you see. And not only that, we all know the tremendous necessity of teaching the youth. That's the whole future of the Jewish people. In fact, when Moshe Rabbeinu, right, when Moshe wanted to take the Jews out and Pari said, okay, who are you going to take with you? <clears throat> he said, first, without youth, we will take out. Because, of course, without the youth, there's no perpetuity at all of the Jewish people, you see. So, therefore, the question is this. What are the Haredim doing, right? Those people who are with the government and who have power in the government, because if they left, the whole coalition of Netanyahu would collapse. What are they doing to try to give or at least reject the Hartstein Institute from teaching this type of reform Judaism, you see? Because they have power. I don't believe they've done much. I don't really know what they've done. But to this day, these kids are being destroyed. And I believe what's happening is the Barsham is mad, if you can use that expression. You see, because in essence, education of the youth is critical for the survival of the Jewish people. In fact, when the Barsham talks about Avram Avinu and Bracious, you know, He's talking about telling Avram Avinu about Sadaim. Why? And he says, Leman Yitzaves Bonov Akrov. That's what he says. Why is Avram so special? Because not only is he observant to keep the mitzvahs of God, but he will instruct his children after him, Leman Yitzaves Bonov, that he will command his children to continue, right, the tradition of keeping the laws, the values of God. Uh, that was what's so special about Avram Avino, you see. 
So look how critical then it is for the youth to be educated. In fact, the Gemara says that the whole, the reason why the world exists is because of the Hevel, the, the air, the terror of little kids. That's what it says. Could you imagine then uh, that if one and a half million kids are not learning Torah, right, then the world has no justification for existing. So if it's that critical, what have they done, the Haredim, to ensure that at least the Hartzian Institute doesn't govern the educational process in the public schools? And I think, therefore, that they have done completely insufficient ideas or, or, or imparted their own power. And I think there's a media connected media going on that you want to destroy the, the, my children? You want to destroy the children of Christ Israel for whatever reason? That I will destroy you. I will kick you out of the government and put somebody else or at least deny you. And that helps the Haredim because it takes away the Ketrugim against them. Because every day they're in the government and allow this to occur is a very bad deed, you see. So I believe there's a tremendous kitrug against the Haredim, as I've said. And therefore, what the Barsham is doing is evicting Netanyahu and the Haredim, you see. Now, how important is this? How important is Torah for the future of Christ's Israel? And not only that, for the entire messianic process to occur. Well, most people do not realize that the way the Jews are going to come back, the way the Geula is going to happen, the redemption, is there's going to be a tremendous rise in consciousness of Torah. And Torah will be proliferated among the Jewish people because that's how the Jews come back. Now, we don't know exactly how that happens, but that is the critical way that God gathers the Jews separates them from the Umm Sa'ilam and brings them back to Eretz Yisrael with the Mashiach ben Yosef. That is the very important idea. So you need this in the Jewish people, especially at the Messianic era that precedes the Messianic era, I should say. The second thing is because the Mashiach ben Yosef is, I once said this, is an incredibly lofty individual. That's what he is. And what that means, okay, is that you cannot tolerate this man because he's unbelievably holy. Therefore, Christ must be raised in their Torah. The Rebbe does not want the Mashiach when Yosef to come to his children, the Jewish people, as ignoramuses. And we know what it says. It says in the Pesach in Yishayo, right, Nun Beis, at the end, it says, Hine yaskal avdi, behold, my servant will grow wise. Viorum, and he will become exalted. Venisa, the govamioid. Those are three expressions of growth. Now, who is this avdi? So, I once said that avdi, according to the Targum, Yonis and Benuziel, is the Mashiach ben Yosef. He's the Mashiach. So, the Chazal asked, why does it say three expressions of growth? Viorum, first. Well, that expression means that the Mashiach ben Yosef, right, he's the Avdi, he will be greater than Avram Avinu. Could you imagine? The second expression, Veniso, 
is that he will be greater than Moshe Rabbeinu. And the third expression, the Govamioid, exceedingly great, he will be greater than the angels, the Malchashores, the ministering angels. Could you imagine this kind of a person walking amongst us? So, does the Russian want to introduce him to Christwell as all, most of them are either gone or incredible ignoramuses? No. That's the second reason why you must have Torah before the Mashiach. Another idea is, is that Moshe Rabbeinu was a candidate to be Mashiach ben Yosef. And therefore he was going to redeem the Jews and bring them to the Har Sinai to receive the Torah. But we know, as I've said many times, <clears throat> is that he was the Mashiach ben Yosef candidate. <clears throat> and the Torah that he was going to give them at that time was the Messianic light, the Messianic Torah. Therefore, if that's the case, same thing. The Jews must be prepared and they must know the Torah. But in that day, when there was no Torah, they had to be prepared. Their consciousness had to rise tremendously in spirituality. So the Makas, the ten Makas, the ten plagues, they were not only plagues to the Egyptians, but they also were incredibly instruments of revelation of divinity to the Jews. Because the Makas was really the ten spheres that were transformed, you see, into a physical analog and destroyed Egypt. But at the same time it destroyed Egypt, it was also a tremendous messianic illumination. Each one, you see. Then you had Kriyas Yamsuf. You had the crossing of the Reed Sea, Yamsuf. And it says that an Omer of Rio, a maidservant, a Jewish maidservant, so more than Yecheskel Hanovi. So could you, and not only she, and she was the lowest in the social status. All the Jews saw this. So could you imagine what the Jews were massing, were com- comprehended at the Red Sea? The unbelievable about the div- divine illumination. And then you had the 49 days. And each day uh, they grew an incredible nevuah or prophecy, a divine inspiration. You see. And then finally, of course, they came to Mount Torah at uh, Har Sinai. And what Moshe revealed to them, the first Luchas I mentioned, was the Messianic light. So you see that the Jews, again, before the Gaul or the redemption, they had to have what? They had to have the introduction, the preparation of the Messianic light. You see, the only reason why it didn't happen, we know, is because of the Chetuegel. <clears throat> the sin of the golden calves. Now, another idea <clears throat> is that Chizkiyohu Amelech, okay, that we know that when he killed, when the army of Sancherev was killed, right, by the angel in one night, 183,000 soldiers were killed, right? Then Chizkiyohu should, should have sang Shira, but she didn't. And what the Russian wanted is that the story of Chizkiyohu and Sancherev, that Sancherev would take the place or that would fulfill the prophecy of Goig Mogoig against the Jews. So that was supposed to be Sancherev. Why? Why what does that mean? Because we know that that's what precedes the Mashiach. And Cheskio would have been Mashiach Ben Yosef, you see. But what happened? 
Well, after he, the Malach killed all 183,000 soldiers, right, uh, what happened then was <clears throat> is that God took away Cheskyo's position of being a Mashiach because he didn't sing Shira, because after such an incredible miracle, how could you not sing an unbelievable song to God? But what is interesting, is the Gemara says, is that before that, they searched from Jerusalem to Dun, and they found that every child, six years old, seven years old, was a bucky, was incredibly knowledgeable in all the laws of Tumavatara. Why? Because the same idea, since Cheskio was going to be the Mashiach ben Yosef, you had to have the Jewish people unbelievably fluent in Torah and its laws. You see, same concept. So this is what's happening, okay? That's why Torah is so important before the redemption. It's part of the redemption process, you see. However, what we see now is that one and a half million kids are being destroyed, which is really the future of Israel. And I'm not even talking about the diaspora, you see. That anyway is happening, where kids have no Jewish education. But at least in Israel, you see, where the Haredim have power to influence, nothing is done. And I believe that is the cause of tremendous kitrug, or prosecution against the Jews, you see. Now, all of a sudden, I mentioned, uh, you know, uh, we see clearly that the Rebbein Islam is throwing out or evicting Netanyahu and the Haredim. And I mentioned why, because of the prosecutions against them. So who's going to come in? Well, there's a guy, there's the left, you see, of those parties I mentioned. And together with Naftali Bennett, okay, has decided with his six or seven seats, I should say, to join the left. And as a result of that, they are the heir of Rav, of course, because they are anti-terror, right, and anti-Judaism. He has decided to join them, and he's the head of the party of Yamina, and, he call, and he's, calls him, he's on the right, but he is a Torah-observant Jew. I think he's a Balchuva, and he's a Torah-observant Jew. In fact, he wears a kippah. He wears a yarmulke. He has decided, incredibly, to join them and provide them with a coalition. So therefore, they will now become the government of Israel. <clears throat> now, what is incredible is what he is doing. There is no question that he is enabling the heir of Rav to finally fulfill their will to destroy Judaism in many ways. One, conversions, where he will allow you know, non-Orthodox people to convert Jews, which will destroy the purity and the yichus of Israel, the lineage of Israel. Not only that, not only conversion, but marriage and divorce. Kill Shabbos, to desecrate the Shabbos, where transportation can now take place on, on Shabbos. And then there's, of course, the Koisel, where anybody can now come to the Koisel and mingle. You have education, where they're going to force them, you see, to introduce curriculum which is anti-Torah, or which they do not want, you see. Then there's kashras, and they're going to allow non-kosher food in Israel, you see. So there are many things, and, uh, and, and what's going to happen is that if the left takes over, 
they are going these they are going to pass these laws. And by the way, I want to mention the draft, where they're going to severely hamper Jews from learning Torah. You see, you have to come to the you have to come to the army, and we know what the army is. It's basically a social engineering to take Jews and make them Israelis. You see, in any case, that's what they're going to do and pass legislation in that way. You see, so what's going to happen? They will destroy the Torah. They will destroy the mitzvahs that the Haredim have built up for years, for the 73 years of Israel's history. Now, Ben-Gurion understood this. He didn't want to alienate the Haredim because he realizes that the Torah and the Jewish people, a great segment of them, they observe the mitzvahs. In fact, he said a famous statement, I am not going to be the one that's going to destroy Yavne. When Rome was destroying Jerusalem, so Rabbi Yochanan and Zakkai, he was granted a favor by, uh, by Vespasian. Uh, and Vespasian, for whatever reason, granted him a favor. What would you like? So he says, I want you to not to kill the Chachomim, the Bezin, the Sanhedrin, and allow them to go to Yavne. And he said, okay. And that's how Torah survived, you see. So, Bez, so Ben-Gurion said, I do not want to destroy Yavna, I'm not going to be the one. So there's what's called the status quo. So he allowed and he instituted that as part of the law. I don't know if it's legally, as part of the law, that Israel will not interfere with the Haredim, with their educational system, their ability to do mitzvahs, their ability to learn Torah. And these people want to destroy the, the status, quo, status quo, you see. So the question is, how can Bennett allow this, how can he join the era of Rav? He is an observant Jew. Does he really think that he's going to sit by, that he, they're going to destroy his own belief system about the, the Torah and so on? It's astounding. So there's no question what he is doing is an incredible evil. It makes him, it stamps him, and he doesn't understand this, an unbelievable Russia which we know, of course, in the end, will destroy him. But that's what he wants to do, you see. Now, is it worth it? Even though he hates Netanyahu, because Netanyahu treated him very badly, is this worth to take revenge to destroy the Torah? You see? Is it worth it because of the power that you'll get and the cover, the glory? Is it worth it? You see? Now, <clears throat> we, we see this. That's what he wants to do. And it may very well happen. The question that we should ask ourselves is, why is God allowing him to do that? You see, because there are many miracles that seem to be happening that seem to support his ability to create a coalition and therefore allow the era of Rav to prosper. Let me mention, well, first let me tell you this. The question is, why would God do that? Then I will mention the miracles that seem to be happening to him, which he, of course, does not realize. You have to know this, that there are different stages of the dissolution of the era of Rav. In fact, there are at least five, and I will go through them. When the era of Rav has to be removed, they are removed in stages, you see. The first stage is where they have shlita, which means dominion that the era of Rav actually has complete control 
of Eretz Yisrael. This was true for many, many years, at least 50 years, you know, where you had people who are completely irreligious, you know, that really, in many ways, destroyed uh, Judaism and so on. Fortunately, they stuck to the status quo. That's the first stage. Second stage is what I call Erev Rav light. And Bibi is that. Bibi is an Erev Rav, you see. He himself, I don't, I don't know how religious he is. I don't think he's religious at all, and so on. But, but he certainly does not further the mitzvahs. He only allows the Haredim, who are part of his coalition, to do what they want to do, because he needs them as part of a coalition, you see. So he's an heir of Rab, but it's light because he now has a strong assist from the Haredim who in certain ways are part of the government even though he is the prime minister. So that is a diminishment of the heir of Rav. The third stage is where the Rabbonism wants to remove the heir of Rav. So he makes sure that they cannot form a coalition. You see, no coalition is possible. And we have been seeing that for the last two years. And that is the beginning of the end of the era of Rav, which is really very interesting. So that's a third stage. The fourth stage is very interesting, where the Rabbanisham somehow engineers, where there will be an era of Rav, but there will be an observant Jew over the era of Rav. So the era of Rav is still around. They still have a certain amount of domination, but the one who is actually over the Erev Rav is an observant Jew, which is amazing. And we will understand why that is. And the last stage, number five, is when there is no more Erev Rav, there is now the entry of the Mashiach ben Yosef. You see. Now let's take a look at what is happening with Bennett. Because we see definite miracles happening with this guy. You see. Now, what is interesting is Bennett is an observant Jew and he wears a yarmulke, which is incredible. And he is the one who is now about to become Prime Minister of Israel. So could you imagine for the first time in history a Prime Minister that wears a yarmulke that is supposedly an observant Jew, he is going to become the Prime Minister of Israel. You see. But at the same time, he is now enabling the Erev Rav to continue and to become even worse, you see. Now, when you think about that, really the fourth stage, when there will be an observant Jew over the Erev Rav, you see, and he will rule together with the Erev Rav, but he, is now, uh, he has now had some kind of dominion over them, you see. Now, why would, why would he do that? Well, let's take a look, <clears throat> you see. There are different miracles that have happened. But what the Yerubonisham seems to want to do is take, an, take advantage of Bennett's free choice, you see, for his own purposes. Now, what Bennett is doing is an incredible evil. There's no question about that. But the Yerubonisham is going to take advantage of his free choice to choose to become the leader of the heir of Rav, even though he's an observant Jew. Why is that? Because, ultimately speaking, 
Israel has to be dominated by an observant person in order to begin the reversal to bring Torah back to the Jewish people. But the Israeli people will never vote, basically, for an observant Jew. Well, it's interesting that Bennett is an observant Jew that wears a yarmulke, and therefore they will now get used to having an observant Jew as prime minister. So in a certain sense, it's like slipping in an observant Jew that wears a yarmulke actually to be prime minister, you see. It's sort of like a very subtle backhanded way to get some type of observance into the government, even though they seem to want, of course, to destroy Judaism. But he, as prime minister, who is observant, will actually be over them because he's the prime minister. Now, there's different miracles that seem to be happening to assist him. But of course what he's doing is evil. But what the Bershom seems to be doing is taking advantage of this individual. Let's take a look at some of the miracles. One of the elections that took place, Bennett thought that he would have clearly many seats, and it was predicted, I think, that he would have maybe 10, 11, 12 seats. Instead, he got nothing, zero. He failed to pass the threshold, which is amazing because the polls predicted that he would get a number of seats, maybe seven, eight, nine, whatever. And he actually failed to pass the threshold. I think he got 3.7, which itself is a ness. But then all of a sudden, when again the government, when they, they try to make a government, right, another election, he actually comes back with seven seats. It was predicted he would get 13, but instead he actually got seven. So the man was resurrected. It's incredible. He failed in one election to gain a threshold. So therefore, he was not in the government at all. But since the government dissolved, there was a new election, and he actually got seven seats. That's a miracle. A resurrection of Bennett. Third idea, right, the thirdness, is that with seven seats, he becomes a kingmaker. What does that mean? That means he is actually, because he has seven seats, he is able to decide who he wants to enable a coalition with which party to happen. So therefore, that's called a kingmaker, where he can actually decide who becomes the, uh, the uh, coalition. That's a miracle, that a man with seven seats becomes a kingmaker. But this is what happened in one of the elections, you see. Now, the fourth miracle is not only that, but he becomes prime minister. Because he's a kingmaker, he's able to decide who he wants to join and then fill in a coalition. They decide to make him prime minister. How can a man with seven seats become prime minister? That's unheard of. But what another miracle is, and this is the fifth miracle, is people of the left, Lapid, Lieberman, Meretz, Labour, right? Gantz, all of them decide to allow him to become prime minister, even though he's ideologically opposite to them, which is incredible, you see, that they actually have agreed and allowed him, right, to become prime minister, certainly for the first two years. These are Nisim. So, Ness is only by the Rabbanu And like I said, how do we understand this? 
because this seems to be the Bershom is using his evil choice to allow in some way an observant Jew who wears a yarmulke to become the actual Prime Minister of Israel thereby making it easier for the Israeli population to accept a religious Jew as Prime Minister. This is what seems to be happening. Now, besides that, what's important to know is really, in the end, this is a shulchad the sultan. It's a bribe to the sultan. Because remember, there's tremendous kitrugim, the prosecutions, that the Jews do not deserve really the redemption, which is what I pointed out in a previous year. The reason why it's happening is because the world is so corrupt morally and ethically and so on. And they have initiated so many different laws which jeopardize the whole concept of civilization, you see, is basically because of Sheikh HaDesotan. So therefore, what God wants to do, of course, He wants to press the restart button, which means that He wants to end everything because the world has become so corrupt, so morally debased, that he wants to end it. The problem is there's a tremendous kitrug or prosecution by the Sutton against this, you see, because he says, well, why should they be redeemed? They have reached the Memteshari Tumah, the 49 levels of evil, or I should say the 49 levels of Tumah. So Barsham says, I understand, okay. So what I will do, right, is I will, even the books, I will allow them to do it, but they are going to suffer greatly, you see. But besides that, the Rabbanisham says to the Sultan, okay, let's make a deal. I will allow you to have something, a benefit, you see. And what is that benefit? That the Erev Rav has now assumed a tremendously powerful position. And so the Rabbanisham doesn't, so the Sultan, he says, okay, you can put in an observant Jew as the Prime Minister, because in the end, Right? He's going to follow my guys. So therefore, the Rebbe is able to allow an observant Jew to become the actual prime minister, you see, which changes the image of the entire concept of a, a prime ministry. This is what seems to be happening. Remember, we can see it by observing that there are miracles that keep Netanyahu out, and they are destroying the ability of the Haredim to be in also the government because of the prosecutions which I mentioned. And besides that, there are different steps to bring in the Mashiach, you see. And one of the steps which I mentioned is that the Barsham must bring back the Torah to Klai Yisrael. But he wants the Israeli population to get used to having an Orthodox Jew. Now, Bennett, I don't believe Bennett is going to allow the complete destruction of Judaism, which uh, to me it sounds almost uh, completely irrational. So I do believe that he in some way is going to try to defend different aspects of what the heir of Rav will try to destroy. But, in, 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 and therefore, I'm hoping that he will influence in some way the, like I say, the mitzvahs that the, these other people, the Erev Rav, the left, want to destroy. But we don't really know what's going to happen. Meanwhile, the Rav has now allowed the Israeli population 
right, to be seen or to have an observant Jew who is now the Prime Minister. And that itself seems to be a very important process or stage in the process itself. Well, we have to see what happens. But right now, this is what seems to be happening. You see, uh, that Netanyahu is out, the Haredim are out, Judaism will be threatened, but there will be an observant Jew who is a Torah observant Jew, at least that's what he says, right, who will uh, in, in, dominate the era of Rav. And that's also important. Prime Minister is a very powerful position, you see. And I'm hoping that he won't, he will in some way resist the attempts of these people, the Erevrav, that he has now joined to destroy Judaism. But we don't really know, but what it does change is the mindset of the Israeli people, that you actually now can have an Orthodox Jew who is the Prime Minister. And that is one of the things, one of the stages that has to happen. Well, we have to see what happens. And like I said, you know, clearly what the Bansham is doing, because we see that, None of this could happen without, without God agreeing to this. And like I mentioned, God has provided miracles for Bennett to re- resurrect himself, which is incredible. He was out, yet somehow he's back. Not only he's back, he's a kingmaker. Not only he's a kingmaker, he himself has become prime minister. And not only that, he actually has the wishes, the well wishes of the left that they have agreed to accede to him the prime ministership, which is incredible, because they are opposite ideologically. It's a very strange scenario that is happening. So I believe that this seems to be, based on the observation of the events, what is happening in Israel today. We will know, however, much more next week to see if, in fact, it does transpire or not. Any questions? Well, Saar, which is interesting, Saar is going to be the justice minister, which really is a very good position, very prestigious. So I'm hoping that he will confront the Supreme Court, because the Supreme Court is one of the greatest forces against Judaism and the Torah. So maybe that's, you know, very, very important in terms of Saar. Saar also, one of his party is going to be the Minister of Education. And Saar, who is the head of the party, is over that. And I know Saar does want the Jewish tradition to maintain itself. He does not want education to be, you know, uh, uh, in many ways harmed. So that's a second important idea. And look, you know, I don't know who Bennett is, yeah, and so on, you know. But I, I find it completely irrational for a man who believes in the Torah, which he does, I mean, guy wears a yarmulke, he puts on tefillin and so on, you know, to allow the very belief system that he believes in to be destroyed in front of him. So I, I think, you know, that in the end he will fight them since he's now the most powerful man in the government. And therefore I think in a certain sense he will resist. But Bennett has desires 
you know, to in certain ways change Israel. You know, he sees there's a lot of dysfunction in the government and so on. Uh, and uh, I believe that he's going to try. He was previously the Minister of Defense, and they said he did a very good job. You have to remember, Bennett is a businessman. He is not a lawyer. And businessmen are much better in governing than lawyers. Trump is a businessman. And that's why he's so good, because these guys are always careful of the bottom line. So you never know, at least for the secular, he may turn out to be a very good prime minister, you see. Um, but for, for the religion, religious part, we don't know. But right now, clearly his choice was really evil. Because you're not allowed to do what he did. But the Ramoshim seems to be taking advantage of that. That's what we see. You see. Anyway. So, does it, um, we were in the rehabilitation stage. Is this a part of it still? Or are we moving on to the next? Yes. Because if this is stage number four, which is Shulchan the Sutton, where God is saying to the Sutton, I'm going to give you the air of Rav, because I cannot dismiss them yet, because for whatever reason, they still have merits. But what the Barishman is going to do, which I hope, is severely mitigate them, you know, impede them from doing a lot of things. So I'm hoping if Bennett does become prime minister, he will, in a certain sense, protect Judaism, even though obviously the Haredim don't think so. But we don't know. We don't know. And like I said, I find it very difficult to believe that he wants to be a party to the destruction of Judaism, you know. Uh, I find that very difficult to believe. So we just have to wait and see. But there's no question that his choice was terrible to enable them. But I'm merely providing what is what's called the backdrop of the entire process. But it is part of the rehabilitation, yes, where you actually get a Haredi guy, not Haredi, but certainly a guy from the right and somebody who is religious to actually dominate the whole government. I mean, that, that, that's a tremendous shift in imagery of the prime minister. How long are they giving him to be prime minister? Two years. Now, after him is Lapid, and all bets are off. <clears throat> but you never know. How do we know he'll be al- that Lapid will be alive in two years? We don't know. The Barisham is not concerned with length because he can do whatever he wants. But right now, it's, it, uh, Bennett will be... But remember, in two years is a very long time, and you can accomplish a great deal of things in two years. Look what Trump did in two years, you know. So we really have to wait and see. So the Barisham may... Remember, the whole thing is, how long will the Xera, the decree, that the era of Rav still has, domi- has some type of domination? We don't know. Whatever it is, they have to use up all their merits of which they have, and then they can be destroyed or clearly removed. You see. But what about that Arab that's in the coalition, also the same group with this Bennett? Well, they've made certain they made certain concessions to this guy. They're giving him money. They they they're allowing the Bedouins, I think, to own property. Whatever. You know, but th- 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 that that will clearly benefit the Arabs. You know, it's all part of the 
Sutton's desire, you know, um, to benefit the Arabs and so on, you know. But I, I don't, he, he's mostly a rubber stamp, from what I understand. Of course, it's very bad, because since he is going to make up the coalition, right, so if there's another war with Hamas, he can say, hey, I want you to stop or I'm leaving the government, which means that he now is able to, you know, really uh, influence the entire direction of Israel, which of course is insane. But listen, you know, it's all part of the, the decree. You see. So, so right after, once that they start having a religious Jew in, in government so that, you know, they start getting used to that, then it, it opens up the, for, for the Torah insights to come about? Yes. I believe it does. Yeah. I'm hoping that uh, Sar, who is really in many ways in charge of the education, Ministry of Education, uh, that, I, that he will in some way in begin to introduce uh, some type of real legitimate uh, Torah-based educational curriculum to the public schools. Because something has to be done. There's one and a half million kids that know nothing about Judaism. And whatever they do know is completely anti-Torah. You know, <clears throat> the, the, I, I don't believe that <clears throat> the era of Rav, even though they've been still allowed to, you know, to be in control to a certain extent, I, I don't believe that the Muslim is going to allow them to destroy everything that the Haredim worked for. But like I say, there's Ketrugim against, prosecutions against the Haredim because of their neglect of one and a half million kids in, in Eretz Israel, which really is basically the whole school population of, of, uh, of Israel. It's terrible when you think about that. So that's what I'm hoping. But, but doesn't it, in government, doesn't it take time? You're talking about a long, a long time until things start to, you know, start moving and shifting. So this is, uh, you, we have a while until things... No, it's not really. You know, look what Trump did in two years. It just takes a willing, uh, you know, coalition and uh, the Knesset vote. You'd be surprised how quick things can move once there's a government that will try in some way to uh, increase Torah. Although it's, it's difficult to see how, since you have all these leftists who hate uh, Judaism, you know, as part of the government. We really don't know how it's going to happen. But I, I find it very difficult to see that the Barsham is doing this to destroy Judaism in Israel makes absolutely no sense. Even if the left dominates. You know. Look, what you're watching in Israel is happening in America. Same thing. I mean, the Muslim took a man, Trump, who was unbelievably good for the Jews and truly messianic in terms of what he was doing for the Jewish people. All of a sudden, he was overthrown and removed by this senile crook. Man doesn't even know what he's doing. It's incredible, you know, and so on. I mean, uh, if you look at his, uh, his schedule for every day, I don't know if you do that, 
But it's unbelievable. The guy has one or two appointments for the entire day. You know, that's what I heard. And you wonder, what is he doing the whole day? Walking around in his pajamas in the White House? But he's senile. He can't handle the stress. So he's got one appointment every day, two appointments. And the whole day he does nothing. Look, this is why America is being destroyed. We are watching the simultaneous, you know, destruction of America and Israel by governments that are destroying them. Same concept, same, you know, it's a backlash against the redemption. But I believe it's because of the Sheikh Sultan. Because remember, the Jews don't really right now deserve redemption. Therefore, God has to close the window, as we know, you know, by allowing evil to dominate to a certain extent, except he mitigates that. Hopefully with Trump, we don't know, but the states, there are states that are recounting the votes. Arizona, Georgia, I think Pennsylvania, I think even Michigan. And if they find that there was cheating going on, then this nation will be hit with a crisis they've never seen. Because all the electoral votes of those country, of those states, right, will be taken away from Biden. That means he's a president that's illegitimate, illegal. So he's going to be removed. From the presidency, that's if they find the votes to be fraudulent, what that'll mean is Trump will resume being president because he was never overthrown. You see? God may do that. But right now, God has put on hold the redemption process, at least, uh, you know, what we can see, the process does continue underneath. You see, it's concealed. But right now, the whole process seems to be on hold, whether it be in America, in terms of Trump, or in Israel, in terms of, you know, Haredim or Mashiach ben Yosef. And the evil people, they are allowed to dominate. And like I say, because there's a lot of things God is doing to keep it moving forward. In these cases, it's the bribery to the Sutton that is allowing them to continue as God is trying to, uh, what do you call it, um, help the Jews overcome the prosecutions. And that's why there's so much suffering, so many people dying. And that's one of the main reasons for COVID. So we are watching simultaneous decrees in both countries. That's what we're watching. So the Mashiach can uh, technically appear. Until he came what? Yeah. He what? Technically, technically, the Mashiach can What do you mean? Appear. Do you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Go ahead. Okay. So technically, the Mashiach cannot appear or reveal himself anytime soon because we still have a lot to deal with. Well, we don't know how long we have to deal. Maybe it'll go on a month, two months, four months. We don't know. And as soon as the decree is over, then the messianic process, uh, I think, will in many ways uh, allow him to either reveal himself or free him from his own suffering to begin the process of redemption. And that would be the Bikida. We don't know. We don't know how long it will last. But it will last only at whatever time it has to last, 
and the instant that justice has been satisfied, he will begin the process of bringing the Jews back. So that's the unknown, you see. We don't know how long it will last. There's no question that the whole, yeah. In Hebrew, Biden is the Adan, and Harris is Haras. It means in their hands, destruction. In their what? They're doing is destroying America. She said, and yeah. Biden in Hebrew is Be'adan, and Harris is Haras, which means that in their hands is destruction. Yeah, that's right. That's what's happening. And that is to appease the Sultan. That's why. That's the only reason why that would happen. You see. Look, but in the end, we know. The Sultan will lose. Justice will be satisfied. And the redemption will happen. But we don't know the underlying time span, time period, that this has to happen. You see. Look, the, the, the bad news is we don't know, but the good news is that this itself is part of the redemption process. Look, when Moshe Rabbeinu came to Paray, and it got much worse for the Jews, that was necessary for Moshe Rabbeinu to be the Mashiach. The Jews had to expiate, atone, for all the sins that they've done. So we're not looking here that the process stops. The process merely changes paths given the circumstances of what the Jews have done. So even the Yisurim, the suffering of the Jews, when they had to gather straw, basically is part of the Messianic process. So you shouldn't think that everything is going haywire. You know, it's part of the Messianic process that allows justice to be satisfied. It's just taken a different path. It's sort of like you know, when you're driving on the highway, you could see the car, and all of a sudden the car goes into a tunnel, and you don't see it. But we know the car is going through the tunnel. So what are we going to say? That the car is no longer traveling? No, it is. Except it's gone through a tunnel, where it's not observable. It's not seen. But it's still proceeding forward. You understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> so in a certain sense, what we're watching is once we understand what it means, it's very good. It is part of the Messianic process where the Jews have to be brought up to, sp- up to speed and justice has to be satisfied, just like it happened at the time of Moshe Rabbeinu. Exactly. So that is what's happening. The amazing thing is that it's happening both in Israel and in America at the same time. You see. We are. What we have to do is continue doing what we do. Don't speak Lashon Hara. Commit yourself to learning Torah, helping raising kids, helping your husband learn Torah, doing the mitzvot, chesed, so on. Everything. That doesn't stop. God does what he does. He knows exactly what he needs to do. We need to do what we do, and that's do the mitzvot. You see? Remember, the best analogy is what I just gave you. 
cars traveling on the road, you could see it, great. Then all of a sudden it goes into a tunnel and it's concealed for 10 minutes. But it's still moving forward. It's just that it's not observable or it's not apparent in terms of the fact that it's traveling. That's all. But it is traveling, except the one underground. And that's what's happening. Even when it got bad for the Jews by Moshe Rabbeinu, and they had to gather straw, the process of redemption was continuing. It didn't stop. It just became concealed because of the necessities of satisfying justice. You see. That's how you have to look at it and not be dismayed. 